Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil, and you're listening to Longbox Heroes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 497 of Longbox Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. Joe and Todd here. Todd, how you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. Ready to do a show that's slightly different from the other ones we've done. Yes. We spent a lot of time beforehand trying to <laughs> get the feel and the normalcy of how these shows uh, run or, or could run or should run without any new books. But plenty of old books. Yes. While there may not be new books being shipped to us, there are definitely books out there that we could all read. We're going to get into all that, but there is a ton of news uh, from books going on hiatus, books getting more time to fill in those lateness gaps, um, and what Diamond is now attempting to do, and what would this uh, time of panic and, I guess, question be without an update from our favorite grading website? Mm-hmm. Uh, we got a bunch of things that you could do and check out, uh, whether it be other podcasts and so forth. Uh, digital books on sale and a ton and ton and ton of freebies. Uh, what we read this past week, which both have some interesting stories behind them, <laughs> as from writer Kurt Busick, I read his uh, run on Conan, the beginning of it. And Todd read his run on Thunderbolts, which, if you listen to the show, has been a favorite of mine for a very long time. Uh, what we're looking forward to coming out this week, or reading this week, I guess. Um, and also our review of the Valiant comic book-related Vin Diesel film Bloodshot. Yes, sir. And who knows what else may come up along the way. That's right. Tangents abound sometimes. Yes. And I don't mean Tangent Comics, because wasn't that supposed to be the publisher that put out the Amalgam books? No, Tangent was an alternate universe. <gasps> tangent series. was the universe, right. Right, where they're all the characters had the same names, but they were like different origins and different abilities and stuff like that. Which is slightly different than the What If. It wasn't called What If, but it was like Stan Lee creates the DC universe. Yeah, What If, what if Stan Lee worked for DC, I think it was called. Right. I don't remember. I never read a single one of those. I didn't either. I own one because a certain artist with the initials KM drew it. And that's it. Keith Mitchell. Yes. Right. Put a, put a pin in those. Uh, you know what? And I'm not, I'm not binging it right now. Wasn't it called Just Imagine? Stan Lee creates the DC Universe or yes, something? Yes, it was Just Imagine. Stan, create, Stan Lee created the blank, and that was the issue with, like, the Flash. Superman, you know what I mean? It would have been his version of what Superman would have looked like. Maybe we can revisit those. Okay. Because that's something definitely neither one of us have read. Right. Uh, but news, as mentioned, a ton of news going on um, in the world. So let's start with, I guess, some positive stuff here as we are seeing publishers, both great and small, doing their part to help the retailers as the best they can. Uh, Bad Ideas, which is an upstart publisher that just decided to launch at the beginning of the year and really didn't have anything out 
uh, yet. It was a bunch of people that previously had worked at Valiant, uh, deciding to kind of split up from Valiant and do something different. They really never got anything out before all of this happened. Uh, but they have decided to donate $25,000 to a financial relief fund um, paying toward retailers who are going through some concerns and issues uh, during this tri- time. Uh, the way that it looks is they have a list of over 100 retailers that are um, most affected, and they're getting $250 from them. Again, not a huge amount, but they're trying you know what? Maybe that'll even buy some goodwill with the retailers. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I mean, it, it's a drop in the bucket, but you know, every little bit helps. So I, like you said, they're not even a company that, that has anything out yet. And there are, you know, they're giving money away. So, yep. you know, kudos to them. And the book industry charitable foundation, uh, got a $250,000 donation from DC, uh, for the same situation to pay. There's no information in here of how it signs up or, how many things there are. It's a nonprofit um, set up to assist booksellers in need. And, you know, your brick and mortar comic book stores are the ones, uh, you know, experiencing this financial crisis. And wasn't Jim Lee uh, doing daily auctions of original art that was being donated to uh, this fund as well on top of the $250,000? Yes, he's doing nine, by, I think it's nine by 12 like full sketches of like characters and basically i don't know how he picked the first one but the person who wins the auction of that sketch gets to pick the character for the next sketch and there can be no interesting and there can be no duplicates so like the first one was say nightwing somebody won that and then they chose asriel and the asriel one you know bargain basement batman went for almost ten thousand dollars oof so, you know, like, I can't imagine, like, what's going to happen, like, if somebody picks Wolverine, you know? But all that money goes to chair, like, to help, so that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I'm just looking at what he currently has up there as of this recording. Uh, he has a Doomsday, a Batman Who Laughs, mm-hmm. and a Big Barda that are currently up there. That's fantastic. I'm, and this is one of those things as a... I think it's slightly different because you can't grade um art prices on this because who knows what people are adding just to to you know charity kind of a deal um but i've but i'm gonna watch every one of these to see what ca- characters go for because i'm absolutely fascinated fascinated by this and hoping no one picks jonah x because <laughs> then you'll be suckered in huh yes i'll you know i might have to you know beg for you know click throughs and anything else i can get my hands on my hot little hands maybe sell some other stuff who knows yeah unfortunately like i said i can't find the uh the completed listings right now Mm -hmm. uh from this seller but again uh you know if you're a high-end art collector it's definitely going to a good cause you know to get a jim lee original i think the first one was nightwing and it went for uh, only like fifty six or fifty eight hundred dollars, but yeah. I think at the time maybe nobody like not as many people knew this was going on. You That's know? true. So, um, also we had talked here in the last couple of weeks in regards to what's going on in the comic book industry, um, and most companies have a quote unquote pencils down initiative. You know, no work currently as uh, you know. There's no foreseeable future as to when things are going to be coming out 
Uh, but IDW specifically said at least uh, two of their more major titles, the G.I. Joe book and the Ninja Turtles books, are going to be going on hiatus, um, mm. essentially, with whatever the most recent issues are that were supposed to come out. And it said, I think they had two issues advanced solicited for both uh, April and May. And right now, those are going to be resolicited, of course, once, uh, you know, everything is more normal. Right. But, uh, you know, good of them, IDW, to kind of come out and say, you know, these things are going to be resolicited at a later point, you know, and right. telling their employees there's more important things to look into right now. Exactly. Which is, you know, what people have to do. Yeah. Uh, Marvel as well. Um, not officially, but, um, you know were editorial has kind of told them to stop whatever you're working on currently. Nothing has been canceled officially. Nothing has been said that they're going to be resolicited. Um, anything like that. Um, you know, there was new stuff that was like the empire, uh, crossover was supposed to start, you know, this week or last week. Mm-hmm. Um, that has stopped. um, you know, and obviously with that, you know, they're kind of just waiting to see how the the market is going to play itself out. Obviously, on a much larger thing, they have rescheduled the Marvel movies that were supposed to be coming out this year. Right. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Black Widow has now been moved from the first week of May to the first week of November. Mm-hmm. which essentially just shifts everything else down the chain. Which uh, you have to. I mean, there's yeah. nothing you can do about it. Right. Um, Eternals moves to February of next year. Uh, Shang-Chi moves to May of next year. Uh, Doctor Strange moves to November of next year. And Thor moves to uh, February of 2022. Uh, but what they're essentially doing is, you know... Every, as everything moves down the chain, it's just like this is taking the old date of this, and this is taking the old date of this. Like, Eternals moves to Shang-Chi's date. Shang-Chi moves to Doctor Strange's date. Doctor Strange moves to Thor's date. Thor moves to, you know, whatever was next after that, and after that, and after that. Right. The, basically, the only one that's kind of weird is the last one, because they're like, we didn't have another date after this one, so sometime next year. You know, yeah. uh, the year after it was scheduled, or whatever. So yeah, it's just it just... They have those all planned out because they know what they're doing and they'll just, you know, keep keep the dates for the Marvel tentpole movies. Mm-hmm. Um, also, DC has, you know, whatever they had planned for the play, you know, the future of the Black Label line, as well as the Generation 5 project are on hold as well. You know, nothing was official. Like, I think the first introductory books to generation five like generation one and generation two were solicited nothing else um obviously is going to be going forward on any of that and you know they've specifically cited that these pauses that they've given are going to get some of the later books back on schedule yes like what ones do they have that are late joe uh, well, uh, <laughs> as we've discussed many times here on the show, the Bendis Legion of Superheroes book, uh, the, what was it, uh, what's the Gerard Way imprint called, the Doom Patrol book? I forget what the imprint, but that's gone now because there's only two imprints at yes. DC. Savage Animal, I think yeah. it's called. Uh, the Ray Shaw Ghoul Batman book, uh, the Brian Azzarello Birds of Prey book. <laughs> 
and right. uh, you know, affecting us is inferior five. So well, they have more time to get that done, Joe. Come yeah. on, that does give me hope that it'll actually get finished. I believe it'll get finished. I believe they have Salty Keith in a bunker, mm-hmm. <laughs> a crusty bunker, just uh, trying to trying to you know hammer out the issues of the last two issues of Inferior Five. Heck, they might let him go to twelve because he's got nothing to do. Yeah, back to twelve. I doubt it though. Right, and you know they're they're still putting out books. You know the publishers, everything is going digitally as it stands. But it's nothing new for the most part. I think Archie has their one last. Um, and I, I I neglected to mention last week, um, Action Lab also has a bunch of stuff um, that's, you know, new and going out. Um, Archie has, you know, their rep- like they're putting out, quote unquote, new stuff, but it's the collections of reprints that they do. Um, it looks like Action Lab is the last one to be putting out like new material uh digitally where everyone else is just whatever they had in the the pipeline as reprints uh trades collections etc uh and again i do apologize i'm just looking over the list here idw has um an original graphic novel called a radical shift of gravity that is still coming out which is new material and then dc has the original graphic novel gotham high available but other than that you know it's just all reprints and trades and stuff like that right and i will say this as i went to uh, marvel's website uh you know every i, I do their marvel insider thing because i get you know when i redeem the digital codes in my books i get points to the marvel insider thing and doing like little tasks and stuff on their website marvel insider and then you get like rewards in Marvel Puzzle Quest. So I do those. And uh, Marvel's website still has, like, if you go to their website, they still have their full list of the books that were scheduled for this week on there as, like, in stores this week. Well, but why we, would you change that? I mean... Yeah. We, we've talked many times before about how uh, lacking the updates and grammar and punctuation and pretty much everything is on Marvel's website from time to time. That's right. It's, the coding isn't any good, I guess. Yeah. I need someone who could reprogram Linux or something. Oh, you find a guy like that. I know somebody will hire him. Mm-hmm. But anyway. And, and uh, mycomicshop.com, which is the front pa- front-facing page for Lone Star Comics. Uh, they do like a brisk back-issue business, uh, both uh, selling and buying from people. But they are taking in no more new orders. Right. Um. They're like I said, they're Lone Star. They're the first of those big boxers to shut down, um, taking in no new orders, sending out no orders. Mile High Comics is still open. DCBS is still open, which we discussed last week about how they had sent emails out to people on their mailing list saying that Diamond has the first two weeks of books in their warehouse. They're just deciding not to ship them currently. And then Midtown Comics, of course, as well, who we said is the print. Um, wholesaler fulfiller whatever for um d or marvel subscription service right so they're still open for business you could still order stuff directly from them even though they are in states i know dcbs is in indiana midtown comics is in new york and then mile high comics is in the denver area duh um i know those places are on shutdown but 
comic places are still shipping stuff out. So that's right. kind of interesting. Yes, it is. And uh, last but not least, this is, uh, I think, the hottest and newest news that came through is that Diamond uh, stated that they will resume shipping. Right. However, they will not be shipping to, quote-unquote, non-essential business addresses, but they will ship to the retailer's home. Right. Now, that just makes me wonder what they'll, because obviously that'll be back back stock, right? Or... Um, you know, based on what DCBS has told people that Diamond has the first two weeks of books, like last week's books and this week's books in their warehouses. Right. I was wondering if they were going to sell the new stuff, too. But then they won't be getting any new stuff in after that. And it would probably only be back stock again. Right. That's what I'm thinking. So. So it's just interesting that at least they're looking to get that in place. Right. Which would be the Batman punchline issue everybody's waiting for. Mm hmm. So you got to get that out there, Joe. And, you know, obviously that opens up a whole new. uh, A a whole new Pandora's box, if you will. Obviously, if you're a retailer and you decide to do this, are you going to get your full order? Are you just going to get those two weeks worth of stuff? Now, are you are you running your business out of your house? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. And then it also depends. That's got to go state by state, I would guess. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, the rules are different all over the place. So, yep. uh, I don't know. I'm I'm curious to see what will happen for us, you know? Right. And I guess Diamond sent out to retailers, you know, um, here's, like, everything that we have available. So, it'll be interesting to see if any retailers, one, take them up on this offer, two, just, you know, decide to give if those books from last week and this week are on that list and if they're available to go through and so forth. And I know a lot of publishers, dynamite image, you know, Marvel DC have uh, increased discounts for retailers on those backstock items at through diamond. Right. So See, even, so even still, this may be a time for retailers just to stock up in general, have it shipped to their homes in the hopes that, you know, projected United States three weeks from now, when everything is open back up, they have extra stuff to stock that they were able to get during this downtime to be able to restock their stores for when everyone hopefully comes back. Right. But I'm of two minds on that because, you know, the same way you were saying, it's like, but that's money that people have to put out when they don't know how many of their customers will pay them for the books. Do you know what I mean? Like That's true. Because you get the, you get this product. If a lot of your customers aren't working, how they like, how they going to pay for it? Like, we don't know. Like, obviously, like we've discussed on the, on the, on after dark, we're both pretty, you know, better off because we're still able to make our pays each week. So if our comic shop got new comics, I'd be all over that. I'd be yep. mail them to me. Not a problem. Put it on my credit card. I'll, I'll mail you a check, however you want to do it. But there's a lot of people out there hurting, you know? Yeah. So you see a retailer in his mind be like, yeah, I could, you know, I could sell these comics, but how many am I going to sell? What's going to happen? Blah, blah, blah. So it, th- that absolutely fascinates me on that. What the, 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 the discount to what someone think they'll be able to sell. There's a lot of math involved there that would blow my brain up, but I wish every retailer well, and hopefully they can get their books and sell them and, you know, get some cash in their pocket. Right. And, and that's the thing, you know, obviously it's good to see diamond trying to do something. Right. Right. 
you know, instead of just saying it's the shutdown, there's nothing we could do. And, you know, we'll all just sit back and hope for the best. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And last but not least, uh, in one of Todd's favorite segments <laughs> is the grading on you where we discuss the current and ongoings of CGC. And uh, don't worry, everyone. Headline across their website, CGC remains open and fully operational. That's right. They are an essential opportunity, Joe. Mm -hmm. Yes, an essential (laughs) opportunity. Uh, And again, this is so... CGC meets a number of criteria for essential services according to Florida Executive Order 20-91 issued on April 1st by Governor DeSantis. The executive order specifically defines essential services to include, among many others, businesses that interact with customers electronically or by phone and deliver products through the mail, manufacturing facilities, businesses that supply other essential businesses, and businesses that provide access to financial services, including non-bank financial services. I don't know why that 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 sh- they shouldn't count then, because CGC books are licensed to print money, Joe. Oh, boy. Um, but they do have um, their office in Sarasota, Florida, and their office in London, which I did not know that they were international, but that does make sense. Right. Um, you cannot do uh, in-person drop-offs or pickups, but they have implemented a contactless curbside pickup and drop. Or no, oh, but it says here the recently implemented contactless curbside pickup and drop box has been suspended. Oh no! Yes, and uh, any additional employees who have been identified able to do so, uh, do their work from home, will be grading their books from home. Uh, so I wonder if you are going to get a different sticker on your book if your book wasn't graded at the warehouse. Mm. Like, is there like I know you can get your books graded at a convention on the convention floor. Uh, is there different stickers that you get for that versus different stickers for something that was like in someone's home? Right. Like you, like there's the grading you send in and then they call it on-site grading at uh, comic conventions. I don't think the the uh, the stickers or whatever they the labels they're called are uh, any different. But I do have a feeling like that CGC has people like they, they don't send the books to CGC and then send them to the people. I like to think there's one guy at the CGC warehouse and he has like 17 Skypes up and then he just holds the book up to the webcam and like turns around and says like, Hey Biff, what do you think? And he's like, that's a 9.8. Definitely slab it. And that's what you there's just a bunch of guys, you know, webcam in there. They're grading it. I don't know. It's all it's all suspect to me, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, I, you know, my opinion on the side. So, yes, I, I say do. anything. Of course. So, uh, you know, if you have that itch and you need your books graded, now's the time. I can't imagine a lot of people are sending stuff out. Got that extra cash to just get my books graded. Right. I keep threatening that I'm going to send that Exiles book. I don't know. That sounds like a lot of work. I don't know. Now's the time to do it, Joe. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) You know what? You should send that book in and see what the, you know, 
what it takes and how long and you know in this crazy mixed up world we're in like you're always doing wacky experiments with you know uh subscription books and mad magazine it's time for you to send that baby off to pgx i just all oh, pgx <laughs> i just uh i just got my uh mad magazine subscription renewal notice oh you're gonna fill that out and send it out um so conventions this weekend it was actually a light weekend oh the only thing that was supposed to be going on was wilmington geek expo in wilmington north carolina uh they're postponed until next year they don't even have a firm date scheduled but you could certainly check out the link in the show notes to that to see when uh your favorite convention the one you were looking forward most to going to has been postponed to to make new plans Technically, is it postponed till next year, or is it just canceled then this year? Uh, this one, it says post uh, that Wilmington Geek thing, whatever, it just says postponed to 2021. Okay, because I, I look at that as, well, you're probably going to have it at the same time around next year, mm-hmm. so you're just canceling this year. Right, but you're canceling comes, this year's, you know? Right, right. You're not postponing it, you're canceling it. Mm-hmm. Because what are they going to call next year's? The 2020 Geek Fest, you know? I guess. See, if you don't have a year with the if you don't have the with the number, then it's not postponed. It's canceled. Right. Like as I'm just and we're dipping into next week. Um, but next week's El next next weekend's El Paso Comic Con uh is already postponed to October of this year. See, now that's postponed because it's still this year. Ah, okay. So um as long as it's within the same calendar year. Right, and it's not a postponement; it's a cancellation. It's, it's, yeah, okay. I wouldn't say so much a calendar year, maybe because, well, yeah, well, it'd be twelve months, like because it, if you if your con is in November and you postpone it to February of next year, then I don't see it so much as a cancellation. But do you know what I'm trying to say? Yes. So that that's my take on this. This is this is cancellation for all over again with us. We're very strict on the, what the word cancel means. John. Right. So um, also, if you want to check out a uh, listener of the show, longtime loyal listener of the show, Chris Runt is attempting to kickstart his Battle Monsters book, which is kind of like a I don't want to say grown up version of Pokemon because I'm a 40 plus year old man. and I love Pokemon. But there's a more uh, hard-edged take on the world of Pokemon. And uh, for as little as five bucks to help him out get that book made, you can get the uh, digital version of that. I think there's three le- weeks left on that project. Um, also, be sure to check out the shows on the soon-to-be-named network, soon-to-be-namednetwork.com, soon-to-be-namednetwork.tumblr.com, where anytime the episodes of this show go up, Longbox Heroes After Dark, Puzzle Warriors 3, Profane Arguments, um... Final Wrestling Place, Wednesday Night War, any of these shows come up. And, uh, you know, comic books may be on a hiatus, Todd, but, you know, they're scrambling. I I was going to get into it when we were talking about CGC, but uh, all the companies, major and not major, are scrambling to tape as much as they can in clandestine. Oh, really? Uh Uh-huh. Well, I hope nobody spoils it when, you know, before it comes out. A couple people did. A couple people might have accidentally let it slip to say, like, oh, yeah, we're going to be taping, like, six weeks of TV in Florida this weekend. Whoops. 
Right. No, I mean how the the matches, you know, end and stuff like that. Oh, apparently you'll be sued uh, and fired if you release that information. But how will they know who did it? Well, there's only well, if they only have the wrestler, the other wrestler and the cameraman, I guess it's got to be one of the three. Yes. Oh, boy. But yeah, all the companies are like trying to I was going through the list on Sunday with someone and Todd, you'd be surprised on uh, how lax many states in the United States are in regards to um, their attempts to flatten the curve. No, I believe it. Or maybe you wouldn't be surprised. Uh, either way, while you're flattening whatever curve you may have, listen to some podcasts. We're just putting out too many podcasts. I don't have time to listen to everything. Yes, you do. You listen to everything, no matter what. I've, I've seen tried, your. Man, but it's I like see... every, everyone's home, so everyone's like, "Oh, we'll put out three podcasts of our weekly pod." Like, we'll put out three episodes this week of our once a week podcast, and I'm like, yes. "Oh my goodness, I, I love see... listening, but it's just pushing. It's pushing the 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 the, the chains back on everything else." Yeah, well, at least you get caught up on comics, though. <laughs> no, I don't. Uh, but ways that you can get caught up on comic books is a bunch of stuff on sale. Uh, Marvel really hammered home. They have uh, their new mutant sale uh, left over <laughs> from last week, you know, from the movie that's not coming out ever. <laughs> uh, the Teen Heroes sale as well. Uh, they've since added a kind of catch-all Avengers and a catch-all Fantastic Four sale respectively Earth's Mightiest Sale and World's Greatest Sales. Uh, DC is having a sale on Vertigo stuff, sadly depriving you, the listeners of the show, from not getting a cut-rate price on Batman Year One or Dark Knight Returns. I don't know why DC would do that to you, and especially in these dire times. Uh, But I have and I will continue to update the list of free comics that are available to you. Um... You know, we've mentioned before, a couple publishers have these things uh, available to you. Image, before all this started, had a a bunch of first issues available to you. Amigo had a bunch of books available to you. Dynamite, uh, Dark Horse, and Marvel have both added stuff to what's available to you to read for free. And Marvel is putting up, like, full trades of stuff. And, like, they're putting, like, big stuff out there. Um You know, they put the Captain America Winter Soldier run. They put uh, Thanos Wins by Donny Cates. They put Dark (laughs) Phoenix Saga. You know, and there's newer stuff, but they're putting, like, big heavy hitters out there for free, you know? Right. They give you a taste Uh, for free, take it away later. Well, and now, see, that's the thing. I'm going to say, the way that if you register with the Marvel shop, the Comixology shop, or whatever it is through these digital things... If you quote unquote add them to your cart now and then add them to your collection, even if they know if they become not free at a later date, you have them in your collection when they were free. Oh, really? I didn't know. I didn't know how that would work. Tell you the truth. I thought maybe they would be like lenders, if you know what I mean. No, Hmm. you get them for free. So add, add, add to your cart, cart, cart. Right. Uh, and like I said, even if, you know, we have the links to all of these in the show notes and as more and more of these come into our purview, um, you know, they take up no physical space on your hard drive. Uh, some of the indie publishers do offer you an option if you wanted to, uh, down, like I know Marvel doesn't do it. DC doesn't do it. Uh, but a lot of the indie publishers will do something where you could download a PDF of it as well once it's in your collection. So add all these things to your cart. 
if the availability is there to to download the PDFs, that's great. But more so the PDFs are so that you could put them on whatever device or device is that you want to. Whereas, you know, if you're going to read the Marvel stuff, the DC stuff, the other stuff, you need to have Comixology on your device and you need to be reading it through the Comixology app. Right. But yeah, so, um, you know, free comics, check that stuff out. You know, if you got time, do it. They're free. They're good stuff in there. And uh, yeah, so let's get into what we read from this past week, Todd. Yep, uh, we'll start with the uh, the thing I was issued, which is Thunderbolts. I read Thunderbolt. Well, I read Hulk 449. Um, let's see what else did I read. I read uh, the Marvel Tales of the Marvel Universe, Thunderbolts one, two, three, and four, and Spider Man Team Up seven in the order that you know that I had to. And uh, I I really enjoyed Thunderbolts. I as we said before, I never read them before. Though I will say the first issue was a trudge really yes because and i'm gonna say why i'm not saying it was badly written because i know what it is i'm like in the end i'm like just get me to the reveal do you know what i mean because as you're going like i'm seeing the little clues that go on there's like little things like um at one point citizen v is talking to the thunderbolts and they're like the the uh, the wrecking crew shows up and they're like we can't attack the wrecking crew there and Citizen V shuts them down and he's like yes they're they're dangerous and we have to stop them he's trying to say that you know spoiler alert they're villains like us and like reading all that I could see it all and like Citizen V's dialogue is so cheesy um but I get why it is that way and I'm just like get me to the point where he takes the mask off and I'm like oh I know who these guys are saying that like it was still a good issue still a really good number one but after that i enjoyed the book way more because it's never gonna have that that feeling of the surprise that it had that years ago and everybody talks about how it was the surprise and how great it was and i'm just like i'm not gonna get that just get me to it does that make any sense to you joe it does right uh we've we've discussed at length here on the show but also you know, it's one of the more well-known, well-kept surprises in recent comic book history. Mm-hmm. So you already, if you're reading Thunderbolts in 2020, you know what the twist is. Right. So you're just waiting for them to get to the twist. So as they're leading you along in issue one, it's like, okay, get to it already. I mean, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Not to say that there's not good stuff in there, but once right. once you're past that and that's not, and I don't want to say the crutch of the book but once you know you're past that you know you can uh, get on to more important things in the story exactly um and once again like i uh, i said like and e- reading the hulk 449 which i read first it's the same way i'm like all right it's the thunderbolts versus hulk i like peter david's run and i'm reading it here but i'm once again like they're the thunderbolts so i'm just gonna bypass 449 and and uh there was some some fun stuff you know in one and i and i i like because it comes up later is like they they have all these the because of onslaught, all the major heroes are gone, and you have, uh, you, you know, uh, thunderbolts pop up, and then people start talking about them. And Spider Man's one of them who gives them like he's like, "Hey, I'm all for them because any you know any help we can get right now." And it's it's fun to see like the whole idea of like now before we know they're villains, we we have a hero who's you know pretty high high end hero like 
for fans. I mean, giving, putting them over, putting the Thunderbolts over. And I'm like, Oh, that's, that's, that's kind of cool. And then we find out they're the villains, but then in, in all that, my favorite part of it is you get to uh, the Spider-Man team up seven where the Thunderbolts are with Spider-Man and he, they end up trying to bring, him down because he's wanted for a crime that he's he didn't commit but people think he think he does and i completely didn't think about it the way the beetle who's mach one in this hates spider-man and he's beaten him up so many times that he just wants to be the one who takes him down um but like a fair means because they they think he's the the you know the the one who who did the crime, but even even Mach four Mach one's like I know he didn't do it. I know him too well. There's no way he did it. But if we can frame him, that's great. And things turn on its head, and he ends up doing a thing to let Spider Man off, and he gives a whole logical reason to to Citizen V, aka Zemo. He's like, this will be you know it'll it'll if we get him blackmailed he's eventually going to get off and then he's going to wonder why we lied and he's going to look into us and zemo's like makes total sense and it's that part of the book that the hook that that caught me not the fact that they're villains from issue one but as i'm reading it and songbird you're seeing the villains liking the taste of the adulation and and stuff for being a hero and i'm like okay where's this going to lead because it it, it Mach one's kind of getting it, and so is Songbird. But then Moonstone, aka Meteorite, is like doing things in the background. I'm like, is she, is she, uh, you know, coming around to what they're thinking, or because she's the psychiatrist, maybe going to be making plays to like mess with people's heads and everything? It's all in that the psychology of the book that's hooked me in the four issues and the specials that I read. You know, if if that makes any sense, right? And then you have, of course, Techno, the former fixer, mm-hmm. who is uh, loyal to Zemo. Mm-hmm. So you have all these different factions. And then did you mention Atlas, who's kind of like he owes Zemo his life, and they get a little. We're going to get a little bit more into that a little bit later on. Right. But he owes Zemo his life from a previous Avengers story, and he starts to kind of walk that line as well. And then you have Moonstone behind the scenes pulling all these strings. Right. And then, in you know, we're going to discuss this a little bit later on, but there are wrinkles that get added to this story to go forward, of course, to, you know, put the pressure on those relationships and break up the team. But that is one of my favorite parts of this, how you have this team. We know it's former members of the Masters of Evil and how they're all working together. But then, of course, how they kind of pair off in different ways. Right. And yeah. there's, and well, I don't know if it was in this and I don't want to spoil too much. Um, but there's one of the issues coming up where Moonstone purposely, it's like, Oh, we're going to go on patrol, but she breaks up all these couples. Right. She's like, right. okay, techno, you're going with songbird. And this one, you're go- like, you know, uh, mock one, you're going with this person right. and Atlas, you're going here to get everyone out of their current comfort zones. Right. And the thing that like I, I kind of like about it is like I said, you get to see where all these characters are going. But I also like the the logic behind Zemo's plan. He's like, there's no Avengers, there's this. We're gonna take over and we're gonna come in. And there's like techno trying to like they're in an abandoned pizza place, I believe, is their headquarters, yes. which I find fascinating. And techno hates it, the fixer. He's like, I could I could, he goes, You won't even let me fix the plumbing in this. And we could, you know, do all this. And he's like, Yeah, but we have to look 
like we have nothing. So when we sell it, they're going to give us, they're, we're not going to ask for access. They're going to hand over codes and passwords and everything. And it's going to be much easier to take over. And I'm like, the logic behind that plan is ridiculously sound. So I'm loving it. The only problem I have with the whole book is those dirty, nasty Thunderbolts move into Freedom Floor Plaza, Joe. How dare they put those villains <laughs> in the greatest super team to ever live. When they put the Thunderbolts on the side, of the building i almost lost they took the fours down and put the thunderbolts on it i was like that had me so hot joe it was like it was like <laughs> these these filthy villains they're in the, the, the fantastic four building but in that it makes it great you know what i mean like i don't know i just i found that hysterical but also infuriating <laughs> so before we get into discussing Conan, as uh, Todd and I were setting this up last week, of course, I was sending him, I had to go get my lists and everything, and I put it up on the website, and we tweeted it out, and we tagged Kurt Busick in it in the hopes to get, like, more eyes on it, you know? Right. Um, and <laughs> low to my surprise, Kurt Busick not only retweets it, but he goes to the site and reads what we wrote, and then corrects my reading order. Oh, he takes you to task, boy. <laughs> and I'm dying, like, because I'm I'm at work, you know, I'm working from home. And Todd's like, are you seeing this? And I'm like, no, I'm not. I, I don't know what's going on. What are you talking about? And I took a break, and I'm, like, looking at my social media, and I'm looking at, like, the long box account, and I'm just not seeing it. I'm like, what am I missing? So Todd sends me the link of Kurt Busick's, like, this guy's reading order is all over the place. Mm-hmm. And it's... And I, I, I do just want to uh, defend myself slightly here, okay? It's not really all over the place. I am missing that Tales of the Marvel Universe number one. And I do have the annual 97 up a little bit higher. But in my defense, the only reason that I have it there is, um, and Todd will get to that, that annual in the chronological storytelling is how Zemo recruits the team. Right. So I have it there as for my own reading, knowing what happens. And believe me, I defer to <laughs> the writer of the book. I updated my spreadsheet and I went down to my basement and I changed the order of the books in my long box to coincide with what Kurt Busick said is the correct reading order of the series. I can imagine you down in the basement moving the books like there's a trumpet slowly playing. You're moving it around. And then when you're done, you salute the box and go back upstairs. And I, and I did have the minus one issue a little bit earlier in things. Right. So in my thing, I was like, hmm, who should I listen to? <laughs> My my slob podcast partner or the guy who actually wrote the comics. I'm going to defer to Kurt Busick. Uh, sorry I called you slob. I thought it was funny. It's true. It's All true. Right. You get no, you get a, no defense uh, here. You're right. not going to get me saying uh, I'm not a slob, you know? Right, right, right. Uh so let's get into Conan, uh, which Todd gave me a much more straightforward thing and said, read issues zero to six. Mm -hmm. And then today he's like, okay, read issues seven to two. Right. Well, in my defense, um, yeah. well, we get to the order on that anyway. We'll discuss Conan, but go ahead. Okay. So uh, when you say about Conan, of course, Conan 
is almost shorthand for a barbarian, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you say fast food, that's McDonald's. You say whatever, Kleenex, tissue. Conan is pretty much that, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I really was never a Conan guy. I was never like a sword and sandals sort of person. As I mentioned on the website, I really didn't get into reading any sort of stuff like that. Until Gail Simone did the Red Sonia book. I'm like, I like Gail Simone. I'm going to like Red Sonia. I'm going to read Red Sonia. And it was really, really good. And then when Jason Aaron took over Conan at Marvel, I'm like, I like Jason Aaron, you know, and that's sort of what it is. And it was just at the time, maybe this was out of my mind. I didn't realize, you know, Kurt Busiek. And it's a great creative theme, Kurt Busiek. We love Kurt Busiek. I love Kerry Nord's art going all the way back to uh, his run uh, with. Uh, and it's killing me now. Um, Carl Kessel of the Kessel Run <laughs> uh, fame on Daredevil back during actually being printed right around the same time as the Thunderbolts. So I was a fan of his there. His art style is wildly different here than what it was in that Daredevil book. But I could see it. I could see the the framework. I could see the pieces. I could see what I loved so much about his art in the Daredevil books here. And I, for this book, for the Conan book, and we're getting into the story and my thoughts and feelings and everything else on that, but I think Carrie Nord's art here fits what this Conan story is. And I think if he took the way that his book was colored and inked for Daredevil, it would not work for Conan and vice versa. Mm Mm-hmm. I have to agree. Like the the one of the standout parts because we discussed Th- Thunderbolt. It was Mark Mark Bagley doing most of the lifting on Thunderbolts, and I liked it. It was it was good. But then the other issues had multiple like had other artists and everything. But um, in in Conan, Carrie Nord's art it, it, like elevates the stories in this book so high. I love Carrie Nord's artwork on this. And when I had a chance to meet him, I was like, the only thing I want is a Conan piece from you but yes i agree and i think any any different look this conan book may not have worked uh carrie nord is you know is definitely carrying 50 percent of this book right so uh again your broad so the zero issue is a free was a free comic book day short story it was a flip book with a serenity book i believe okay because it felt almost it it did feel very much like a full story, right? Uh, but it is more of an introductory, and I don't want to say framing piece, but it's definitely getting you into what and how these stories are going to be conveyed, right? Um, and by that I mean there's a traveling caravan. It, you know, it's a little unclear of if it takes place during Conan's time, but we do later find out that it definitely takes place well after Conan's time. Right. As they come upon a felled statue of Conan, which they do, the people who find it, state that it looks very different than most other people that would get a statue of this era. hmm And the prince, uh, who has been sent out by his father just to kind of, like, find all these old things and whatever treasures are there. He feels he's on a wild goose chase and has nothing to find. But not only did they come upon this felled statue, but his apprentice, wizard, whatever it is, 
Uh, not only do they come, and I say wizard, uh, wazir, and that's going to yes. be a big problem with me with a lot of these weird names, and that's always an issue with, you know, a book that's set in a period where right. everyone has a funky name that's going to be difficult for me to uh, pronounce. I'm the same way, I'm, and it's hard to remember those names. Right. So not only do they find this felled statue, not only do they find some treasures, but they do find a bunch of scrolls telling some of the stories of Conan. Which is pretty much the comic. Which is, That's right, and that is how we get to the comic. Mm-hmm. And, the, like I said, as Todd mentioned before, Carrie Nord's art, the way that it's colored and painted here, are almost, and this is not a disservice to Carrie Nord's art, because it's awesome, and I mean this completely as a comp- compliment. This is a, what I would imagine, a quick Frank Frazetta art. Oh, sure, that's that's a compliment to anybody who's doing a, a monthly comic is to say you look like Frank Frazetta, you know, a quick Frank Frazetta. Mm-hmm. So I'm with so, you. Right, like I'm sure Frank Frazetta, when he paints something and he does the art and you're familiar with Frank Frazetta's fantasy stuff, As if, I, if you're listening to this podcast, I'm sure you're familiar with him. But to do that in a monthly comic book, to do that as 22 to 24 pages on a monthly basis for anyone would be near impossible. But Carrie Nord captures that essence and captures that feel in a monthly comic in 22 to 24 pages. And yes, there are a lot of splash pages and there's a lot of big action-y scenes, but they look beautiful, I tell you. Mm-hmm. And just so you know, Frank Frazetta was the one who put Conan before the comics back on the map with a lot of the covers to the novels. Okay. So just so you know, but go ahead. So we get to a part where the Vazir is reading a bunch of these scrolls, right? Mm-hmm. And I want to mention this because I didn't write this down, but I made sure to screen cap this for myself. So as he's reading these stories to the prince, the Vazir says, I remind you once more, Lord, that these are unproven legends drawn from unworthy chronicles. There may never have been a Conan. And even if there had... These tales are assuredly exaggerated. Those that weren't fabricated outright. And then he gets interrupted by the prince, who just is kind of like, I don't care. I want to hear more. Mm -hmm. I feel that sets the tone perfectly for not only these stories, but also comics in general. Right. This is a great way to explain these stories take place or they don't take place. They're canon or they're non-canon. You do what you want. Right. Two things on that. Mm-hmm. One is, yeah, that is that is great because Kurt Busiek got some flack at this time from true like Conan fans because they were wondering how he was going to do the book. And the book is, I'm going to do, he's going to adapt uh, Robert E. Howard stories. And we'll get to that as we tell the story a little bit later. But what he's going to do is, like he's going to tell like he's going to write how he gets to those Robert E. Howard stories because Robert E. Howard didn't write Conan in chronological order order. The actual first story he ever wrote was a King Conan story with Conan. So then it goes back to young Conan as a, a barbarian learning his trades and whatever. So he's like, but there's all these stories where he mentions st- stuff and I'm like, well, I'm going to use what he mentions to tell the stories that bridge the history 
And people were like, okay, maybe, because Conan fans were like really worried about it. So that's what he's saying in this. He's like, you know, these stories may have not happened, but these are the ones in between the ones that the actual Robert E. Howard says. And for the Wazir, I'm just going to say something. Maybe the Wazir knows a little more than he's letting on. That's all Ah. I'm going to say, you know, like, because there's a couple of points where he's reading Conan's exploits to the king and he's like, he's getting thrown off. But if you notice, he has like weird serpent eyes and stuff like that. So yes, yes. So I'm like, maybe the wazir is knows is a little bit in the know. So, <laughs> uh, so we get to the main crux of our story here, which is uh, issues one through six and most of seven, mm-hmm. <laughs> where uh, Conan is on a journey as most Conan uh, stories go, and he is en route to. Hyperborea. Mm-hmm. Hyperbia? Hyperborea. I say hyperborea. Okay, hyperborea. Or hyper hyperborea? That's the way I say it. Hyperborea. Okay. Which is this fanciful fate place, riches, these unique creatures that live there. It's a it's a land of peace. Conan's going there. Right. He uh, he comes upon uh another group of people who are your Asgard analogs right you're viking analogs basically right you're asgard you're viking types right because they're not actual gods right 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 but you could definitely feel there's a lot of inspiration from that there um you know because in on the quest uh conan is attempted to be led astray uh by a beautiful woman who is the daughter of the frost giants Mm -hmm. so you know You've got frost giants, you've got all this other stuff. You know, it feels very Norse mythology. Right. The frost giant story, the actual actual issue two, is actually a Robert E. Howard story. Okay. So so if you notice, if you read those, it's funny because the stories feel a little bit different and they're not the text in the word in the not the thought balloons, but aren't typed the way they are. Because in every, if it's like an issue where Kurt Busick is writing the issue to fill in the gaps, it's typed like it's a Robert E. Howard typewriter story. Then otherwise it has a different flow to it. So the actual issue two was the Frost Giant story. And then the other stories around it were bridging the gap. I just thought you'd find that interesting. Okay. I do find it interesting, no less annoying, when you're switching between these different typefaces for stuff like this. And then a little bit later on when they get to Hyperborea. And the Lord Ayashanti, you're fine. Okay, is telling the story of how Hyperborea came to be, and that's in a yet a different, little bit difficult to read typeface. That was one that was like in a calligraphy font yeah. that I did not like. I will give you that. I'm reading it, going, this is really hard to read. I really dug this the backstory of yes. the, of the the city, but it, I was like, you should have made this much easier to read. And that's, I, I think, where a lot of my issue with any of these come in is mm-hmm. just that the typeface that they decide to use, the different sets of typeface, every different set of typeface that they use mm-hmm. is its own different way of difficult to read. Fair enough. Um, so they get to Hyperborea, and they are, uh, uh, Conan specifically is betrayed uh, by. And again, I apologize. It doesn't matter because he's not you know, long for the world. <laughs> right. Cigarl mm-hmm. and Inear. And they abandoned Conan there because there is a great world and there is a great place of prosperity 
in Hyperborea, but it is built on the back of slave labor. Mm -hmm. And horrible things that go on there, but the main thing that happens with uh, all of the uh, Hyperborea people, their day comes where they have their day of farewell, where they toss themselves off into this big cliff to the gods, and all of their slaves go with them. Right, because they're mind-controlled. Right. And we find out how they're mind-controlled. It's something that they're putting in the food. One of the slaves that Conan takes a fancy to uh, is Amini. Mm -hmm. I say with a question mark, because I'm not sure how that's pronounced. Right. Uh, She has this herb that she's been, um, you know, it's difficult to get, but she's been giving some to Conan because she's noticed something different in Conan. When this happens, Conan is like, I need to give this to the other... Uh, a seer people that came with me so that we could break out of here. They came with me. I'm take if I'm leaving, I'm taking them with me. Mm-hmm. While this goes on, Lord Ashanti, who is the Lord over, specifically Isamini, decides his day of farewell is coming. So right. is uh Isamini is going with him. Conan now has to try to save her, stop that from happening, and save the other people that he came with. Right. And there's a great part with that where he, while forcing her to help him save his friends, is making her give her more of the antidote and more of the antidote. And she ends up giving him so much that she has none for herself. And she's still mind controlled. And she goes, you know, and it it goes bad for Conan because of this. It's just a nice, like, little twist. And, like, Conan will have guilt because of it. Right. It was very O. Henry-esque. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, so I, I did think that was very interesting. And of course, Conan is unable to save her specifically and the other folks that he wasn't able to get enough of these herbs to, which included some of the people that he came with. Uh, but it appears to them that Conan has sacrificed himself uh, down the pit as well, but he is not. He's climbing his way down the pit in the hopes to see what is down there and the hopes to save them. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that, uh, you know, the lords and gods and so forth of Hyperborea may have been wrong uh, because everyone does die a grisly death down there uh, devoured by giant spiders. Right. And again, glossing over a lot of the stuff, but a lot of it is giant big action pages, which Mm -hmm. are beautiful and great. And I loved it. You know, the scene of Conan where we get his inner dialogue of like interacting with the guy in the tight stairwell. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, kind of seeing Conan's thought process. And again, that may sound like an oxymoron, but, you know, he is a strategist. That's why he is able to survive and, you know, defeat hordes of enemies because, you know, he has a strict code of battle that he sticks to. Yep. And he knows how to fight. He's not just a guy with muscles and a sword. He knows how to use it, if you will. Right, and the great part of the storytelling is this, this is his early days of his career, his early wanderings. So if you notice, he's very quick to anger, and like he doesn't know a lot. 
And as you go, you, the other stories that Robert E. Howard wrote, like he's a pirate, he's a thief. It's like, where did he get all this information and where, like, and learn all this stuff? And then in the end, how did he become like the level headed king from the enraged barbarian? And you'll see that over time. Like, like he, he's not, he doesn't have, the, well, the, he'll have the quick temper for a while, but he'll learn to rein it in when he has to. And it's great, like his development through Kurt Busiek's series. And, you, and hopefully you'll see that too. You know what I mean? Right. And he, you know, when he goes down to the pit, he says he sees that Isamini is in fact dead. Uh, but he does see one of the other folks that traveled with him um, is barely clinging on to life. Mm-hmm. And he asks for uh, one boon from Conan, which Conan obliges to see that they are not uh, they do not die in vain, to which Conan hunts down the two people who betrayed them. Uh, to the Hyperborea people and rightfully kills them. Yep. So you enjoyed the story? I did. Um, like I said, not. I don't want to say that it was light, but if you're reading a Conan book, you know what you're getting. But it's good to get new stuff, adding on to what your already preconceived knowledge of Conan is. Mm-hmm. Getting these little bits, get, getting these sense of honor, getting these facts that even though it is a younger version of him and he's more prone to anger, he also has some like tactical wisdom that he does employ from time to time. And uh, honor and stuff like yes, that. Right. So it's good to get those sort of bits in there. And my favorite thing about Conan is his god, Krom, which he always says, by Krom or whatever, is that like he's talking to the other guys and he's like, he's like, our gods, you you go, you burn you and you go up and you go up to Valhalla and you have a good time. He's like, my, my god, we go to a foggy realm that sucks. That's why every Sumerian fights to the death because nobody wants to die and go to that crappy afterlife. And I'm like... <laughs> That is a great reason to like make Conan like fight to the bitter end, you know, which is which is great. So I'm glad you enjoyed it. But I uh, very much did. And I think we're going to read more of both of these uh, Kurt Busick tales. That's right. And uh, also Mayan, I had to like we said before that Joe, I told him to read zero through six, but then read seven is because the 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 way the stories are trade paperback compared to how they were and the issues were absolutely crazy. Because like if you read them in order of the comics, then it's it's real easy. But the trades, like oh my god, they just they go all over the place because um every storyline or so uh, Kurt Busiek would tell a story of Conan before he left um, the village, the Sumerian like village and stuff like that. And they're called Born on the Battlefield, which starts with his birth. And I don't know if it's a spoiler, maybe from the title you can learn a little bit from being called Born on the Battlefield. But they have those in different trades before the actual issues. And then at issue six, which I thought was the end of the story, because that's all the first trade has. But they say, no, read zero through six in the first trade and the first 14 pages of seven. And then trade two has Conan seven, the last eight pages and Conan nine through 14. So I'm just like, Joe, just read the issues (laughs) as is because the born on the battlefield stories are so great, but where they're told it's, they fit almost like what, like what information you get. 
And it reminds me of like we were discussing before the show of Starman. Those trades are great. Uh, that that run is great, but they have these times past story that were golden age stories where the wisdom of you know whoever was trading the books at DC was like, yeah, tell them tell them all out of order. Uh, just tell the regular storylines in order, and then the times past. Um, put that in one trade near the end, which all those stories are important. Like the little bits of information that the the golden age star man tells his his son is like these stories mean something for the next storyline. I'm like, just trade things how they come out. I don't <laughs> like when you do like I it drives you nuts. And right now I really didn't have the agita that you do over this stuff until I realized how Dark Horse had screwed all this up. And I it bothers me. I'm in I'm in your camp, Joe. Well, that's, and again, we'll say this is Dark Horse in this instance, but that actually used to be regular practicing procedure. You mentioned Starman as well, where they would collect something and you would get like a third of a story here because it fits in this current trade, but the rest of it is going to be the beginning of the next trade. That used to be a much more practice thing. Right. Sandman's another like uh, egregious uh, of this was they had like that. And then they were like, oh, well, here's a couple of one shot stories. Put them all in one trade and slam them here. And I'm like, no, you're supposed to know this information before that happens. And this stop that. And ever since they traded Sandman, they completely stopped doing that. So that that makes my heart feel a little bit better. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but you're right. That That is an older thing. But there, the, with certain story run, runs that, ha, that you know, are near and dear to me, that's when it bothers me. I don't care if it's junk. Mess up however you trade that. Right. So uh, for next week, I'm going to reread the last couple pages introducing the Bone Woman mm-hmm. of issue seven. I'm going to read eight, even though it's collected in a different trade. And then I'm going to read up to issue 14 of the uh, Conan book. Right. And uh, Todd, and I'll put a post up uh, on the website kind of replacing uh, the pull post for the uh, coming weeks, as it were. Uh, Todd is going to be picking up with Kurt Busick's actual reading order where it left off, which was annual number, or yeah, yeah, annual 1997, uh, issue 5 minus 1, and then issue 6 through 10 Mm -hmm. uh, to get the full next part of the story. Um, I don't want to spoil too much, but issues 11 and 12 lead right into uh, Hero's Return. Oh, really? Yes, sir. I just want to blab everything else off. I know. I'm like, book. oh, my I God. I do want to do it so bad, but I, I want you to read it. I'm the same way. I'm like, oh, like the Conan, Conan Born on the Battlefield stories. Oh, you're going to love them. Yep. All right. So, again, I'll put the post up later this week so you guys can all follow along. I'll probably put that up on Thursday just so there's there's some content on the site then. Um, While you're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out all the other stuff that we have there, whether it be past episodes of this show, past episodes of After Dark. Uh, I put at odds with wrestling there, too, because I'm too cheap to buy a second URL (laughs) or hosting site. It's just easier that way. Uh, you could check out our store where you could buy shirts or pins or stickers that would be shipped directly from me. So you'd get them relatively quick uh, if you wanted to help us out that way. You could also go to our T Public store, where, as I understand, uh, there's a sale this week for 30% off. And I say this week, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, for 30% off. But I have it on very good authority that if you wait two weeks... Or, you know, you wait ne- until next week, it's a 35% off sale. Ooh. 
So it's up to you. You want to get you want to you want to be impulsive and uh, cheat yourself out of that extra five percent by all means. Purchase now. Yes. Uh, you can also uh, subscribe to our Patreon. I'm not going to push it too hard, but we did put up a new episode of Babbling Brooks this past week. That goes out to the five dollar and up folks. Uh, everyone else did get the most recent uh, edition of Previewing the Past, which came out. Uh, you know that was for March. We should be recording April's next week. And, uh, you know, it's a two-week tiered system there. We might have some wiggle room when we get to May uh, for that the next uh, Babbling Brooks that try to negotiate getting a guest on that one who publicly <laughs> stated they would be on the show. Whether or not they actually will is another story. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one thing that I do want to thank everyone, of course, for, uh, you know, shirts and stickers and pins and Patreons. These are all frivolous purchases. Um but I'm glad many of you are making your other frivolous purchases through our Amazon click-through. As folks are home and you're purchasing all sorts of different things, um, you know, we get a little bit of a kickback. They call it an advertising fee. I call it the thing that makes Todd happy when he gets his cut of the money, no matter yeah. when it gets sent. Yeah. <laughs> uh, somebody, I'm assuming possibly the same person, purchased Funko Pop versions of The Dark Phoenix. Uh, something called a Game of Thrones glow-in-the-dark white walker and horse. I know what that is. Okay, and Red Sun Batman. I guess they just recently did the animated version of Red Sun. Mm-hmm. And I haven't read that in a while, but apparently Red Sun Batman is just Batman with a fuzzy hat. Yeah, he's a Cossack. This is the clean show, Todd. Let's keep that. <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, somebody also purchased the illustrated book of the Muppet Holiday Car- or the Mu- the Muppet Christmas Carol. Uh, somebody also purchased a fifty dollar gift card through Amazon, and I hope you're doing the uh, much uh, much supported Amazon gift card opportunity, where you purchase a gift card through our click through, then you buy something for yourself with the gift card through our click through through our click through. Uh, the nice double dip there. Uh, somebody also purchased Season 1, Volume 2 of the uh, 80s animated show Silverhawks on DVD. Ooh. Mm-hmm. And somebody also purchased the most recent trade, collection or otherwise, of Immortal Hulk. Ah, I think I know who that was. Oh, good. A good person, I hope. Yes. You want to rob him, let's say that. Oh, good. Yes, yes. He could keep like, that because I have single issues of those. Right. I got a text from him. He's like, you, oh, you guys were so right on Immortal Hulk. So. I would have replied, you just wasted a text. Of course we were right. Mm-hmm. But anyway, thank you to everyone and anyone who is currently still purchasing th- stuff through our Amazon click-through, especially during these uh, difficult times for everyone. Um, you know, you making your purchases with us helps us keep the normalcy that we're trying to keep by uh, doing this podcast. Uh, while this podcast is for you, the listeners is kind of also for Todd and I to kind of keep ourselves sane, you know, or as sane as I can be. Right, what we call sane. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, did we have any art attacks this week? We did not. All right. Uh, now we didn't get a chance to discuss this, but of course we're gonna get into some spoiler discussion. Of the uh, Bloodshot film that came out in theaters, unfortunately, before all theaters were shuttered. Uh, And then I think we're going to try to figure out what we're going to do for uh, next week in that TV section, uh, TV movie section, during the TV movie section here. So uh, if you didn't see Bloodshot, don't want Bloodshot spoiled on you, 
or don't care, we bid you adieu. Thanks for listening. Episode 497, Long Box Heroes. We'll see you all here next week. Right. And I'll take a few moments. Uh, did we have an idea of what we're going to do for next week? I don't think we did, and that was one of our failings before we recorded. We had so much going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Uh, we can, if you want, next week. I know it's been a while since you've seen it, because you watch things typically as they come out. Uh, my wife and I have been watching the Amazon original series, The Boys, based on the uh, Garth Ennis, John McRae comic books. No, not John McRae. Uh, uh, Derek Robertson. Yes. We've been watching that and enjoying that. We're not done yet, but we should probably be done by next week. Oh, okay. Maybe we'll do that. Yeah. If I think of anything along the way as we're doing this, we'll maybe do a you know an audible, but we'll, we'll look into that. Right. Getting uh, the end of the month, beginning of the month at work kind of cut into a lot of time. Uh, and uh, two nights of WrestleMania also might have uh, cut into some extra time that I might have had. Uh, two nights. Two nights. But I did get a chance to watch uh, Bloodshot. Right. Starring Vince Diesel. Is that his name? Yes, it is. Vincent Diesel. Vincent Diesel, right. Uh, based on the Valiant comic book that, I'll be honest with you, I've never read, but I'm familiar with. Um, Valiant has done a good job over the last 30 years of kind of branding their characters. Um, and if you re- haven't read a Valiant comic book, if you see, uh, you know, Exo Man War, if you see Bloodshot, you see... You know, a Shadow Man, eh, that one might be a little bit loose. Um, you see Quantum and Woody, you know who those characters are. You know at least they're valiant characters. You know mm-hmm. they have sight recognition, I would say. Yes, especially since we went through them during like that, like when Valiant was big. Yes. Like, and they had the whole coupons and the stuff like that and the one halves or the zeros. Like, you couldn't get away from Valiant because they were worth so much money at one point. Right, and we're not there yet, but if you're a patron and you're listening to Previewing the Past, you know, Valiant isn't there yet. Valiant is right about, to, like, Valiant started in February, mm-hmm. and currently the only thing that they're putting out is Nintendo comics. Right, they're on the cusp right now. Right, they're getting ready to blow up. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, Vin Diesel is a soldier, he dies in the line of duty. And they bring him back to life. They put some sort of nanobite technology in him that allows him to reheal from any sort of injuries or whatever it is. Um, but he has no memories of his past life. But then slowly but surely, some of the memories of his past life come out. And now with his new fancy superpowers of nanobite technology, and I keep saying nanobite, it's nanites. Nanites, yes. Nanite technology He's an unstoppable killing machine. Right. Uh, But it certainly seems that that's what they want him to be. Right. And then it becomes Groundhog Day, the superhero movie. Okay. So I'm going to say this. We're in the TV movie portion of this show. Uh, So I feel as though I'm okay in being a little bit negative if I want to be. Right. Uh. This isn't this isn't a very good movie. No, it's not. Um, it's a it's a very standard, very paint by numbers. And you know, Todd says uh, Groundhog Day, the action movie, and that's doing a disservice to Groundhog Day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if this is a plot point or has ever been a plot point in the comic book. 
Uh, it's an interesting plot point, but Vin Diesel delivers his lines and acts and interacts with people in such a way that I just don't care. Exactly. I, like, he is so terrible. And then, like, the main villain, that the, the, the henchman of the villain, uh, the one with the prosthetic feet, he's bad, too. So you don't even have a great villain carrying the film. The only thing that was carrying this film was K- me watching KT, the female actress. Mm-hmm. And the whole time I was saying KT, more like... QT, if you know what I mean. But no, I was like, there's nothing here for me other than a little bit of, bit of eye candy down to like the coder who's going to help uh, Bloodshot get away. He's so over the top, like ridiculous. Uh, and the only thing that I did like about this movie is they they to, to get Bloodshot to kill the people they want to. They keep reprogramming his mind to think that um, he the that the person they want him to kill was the one who killed his wife. And I was like, I, I, I saw that coming because it was in the trailer. I did see a trailer while I was seeing a movie. And I was like, okay, so I, like that was completely spoiled for me. Um, the only thing that was I thought was kind of cool is he, when he does get home to his wife, we find out that he that they had, she had left him years ago. So he doesn't even get that. I was like, that was the one good swerve in the movie that I liked. And then it turns into a terrible, low-budget, CGI slug fest. Like when that happens, it's absolute like CGI Vin Diesel falling off a building looks ridiculous. Ridiculous. Now I, I do want to kind of walk back one of the things that you said about the villain, okay? Mm-hmm. So first of all, how dare you? Guy Pierce is awesome. Guy no, Pierce I- is one of my my favorite underrated actors of all time. Right. The only problem with this is I never saw a trailer for this movie. So you know what I mean? I had no, like other than Vin Diesel, I had no idea who was in this movie. Right. And outside of like Memento, when you see Guy Pierce show up, he's the villain. You Mm -hmm. know, as soon as you see him, like whether you know it or not, or whether like that's what he's typecast as, you look at him and it's just like, oh, that's a bad person. Right. Because he plays like that smarmy deceitful whatever it is so well he was the mandarin in iron man 3 no 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 he wasn't the man uh he wasn't the mandarin he was um the extremist guy who made like and that's the thing he does it's like his thing where he rebuilds his arm in this is the same thing as his plot points from iron man 3 but just so you know trevor was the fake mandarin in the in the movie he goes i'm actually the mandarin no, I thought um, the Mandarin was the Mandarin. Right. It's a weird thing. I think he actually ends up saying at one point that I was behind the Mandarin, so I'm the Mandarin. Mm. I don't know. But Guy Pierce wasn't the guy I was bad-mouthing. Like, I was like, all right, when I said, oh, I okay. sent the henchman oh, you, oh, with you the prosthetic like, feet. Yeah, okay. That guy He's, sucks. He was terrible. Because as soon as I said the villain in the movie, I considered Guy Pierce the villain. Yeah. But in the end, it was his henchman who did most of the fighting with Vin Diesel. So that's why I switched it. Because he couldn't deliver a line to save his life either. Like, he was terrible. He was barg- like he was definitely like bargain basement Ben Affleck. Like, he had an Affleck look without as big as a head as Affleck has. Like, right. a physical, like, Jerry Seinfeld has a large head, I have a large head, Ben Affleck has a large head. Look at their heads, they're giant, it's disgusting. <laughs> right, it's like a melon on a stick. Exactly. 
Uh, and then the other hacker, the the babyface hacker, the British guy, Wiggins, I thought he was good. He was a good comic relief character that was not a comic relief character, just like, we got to get a comic relief character in the movie. He was actually important to the plot of things. Right, but it, like, because to me he was so over the top, which in a movie with other good people it would work, where it's just like, oh my god, this now this guy's the the comic relief, he's important to the film, but the rest of the film is so, nothing works in here to me. Like, nothing at all. Um, I just I just thought, like, he wasn't that great. And then the other thing I also want to mention is like, so I've seen the Fast and the Furious movies mm-hmm. and they're an ensemble cast. And, you know, you're wa- not watching those movies for any acting chops or whatever. You're watching them for the over the top, ridiculous act- action sequences. Mm-hmm. But while you had mentioned the CGI in this is just low rent. It's sci-fi, man. TV there's, network. There's one scene, and they do a lot of... So, having watched the Harley Quinn movie last week, where they actually did some interesting things with the fight sequences... Mm-hmm. And, and direction. They, probably more, they were probably more CGI-enhanced than being almost entirely CGI. Mm-hmm. There's the one scene where, in the first action sequence, where Vin Diesel gets his face shot off, and then it kind of rebuilds itself. Mm-hmm. Like when they did the whole thing with like the smoke and the lighting and the fake snow and all that sort of jazz, I thought that one was the only time that the CGI looked cool. Yeah, because it was that that red light with the flares was was like uh, just overpowering everything. Yeah, and I agree with you. Um, the one I will say another thing, the one small thing that I did like about the movie is because I found it tedious early on was all the cliche stuff like the guy who drugs Vin Diesel in the in the fake memory and he dances to Psycho Killer and he's in the freezer and he's in the jacket I'm like I've seen this a thousand times before Every, this is so cliche and then you find out that it's the programmer who has no imagination has watched a ton of terrible movies has just put in every cliche and I'm like all right, that's a great in a in a better movie that would have been fantastic, but in this it just falls flat because the rest of the movie is uninventive, <laughs> like right. nothing. So, okay, so you get that part where they explain why uh, it's so hackneyed and so um, cliche, right? Right. So we get that part like halfway through the movie where we get that explanation, and then all of a sudden the movie just continues to be a cliche and paint by numbers. Right. Like if you had done something innovative or something different, then that cliche would stand out as like a cool thing. You know what I mean? Like, but nothing, there's nothing here. Yeah. Um, And then the, I think the main offense of this movie is, as I mentioned before, whether you've read Valiant comics or not, whether you're aware of Valiant comics or not, there's a lot of the characters that are sight recognizable. Mm-hmm. And Bloodshot has a very distinct look. Pale alabaster skin, white eyes, black flat top haircut with like the funky eight, like the funky 90s lines in his hair, right? Mm-hmm. 
at no point in this movie does Vin Diesel ever come close to looking like that. The closest he comes to looking like that is when his nanites almost expire when he's going after Guy Pierce and he has that pale skin because he's about to die. And I'm like, and he has the red in his chest. I'm like, man, that, you're trying, but no, you're not even close to what that's yep. supposed to be. So if this movie shows up on like basic cable at some point, give it a try. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I feel sad that I spent money on this movie. That's right. It's not Jonah Hex bad or the spirit bad. Uh, no, but... no. And that's the thing. It's not like it's a bad movie. Like Vin Diesel's a bad actor. Okay. Mm-hmm. You're coming to the movie knowing that they're definitely trying, but it seems like they have a limited budget. It's a flawed movie, but it's no different than 18 other action movies that are probably currently on HBO right now as well. Mm hmm. Yeah, it's just, you know, it's it's not even a terrible movie. It's it's what we always say. It's it's biggest, you know, it's the worst thing in entertainment. It's nothing. It's, you know, not good or great. It's not terrible. It's it's very it's not going to be remembered. It's very forgetful. Absolutely. So. Uh so unless things change and of course keep an eye on social media next week we'll be discussing the Amazon uh series The Boys. Uh, if you have Amazon Prime, it is free as part of your Prime subscription. Uh, looking for things to watch with the wife, it was interesting to find the things on Amazon that are part of your Amazon Prime subscription and are an extra premium as part of your Amazon Prime subscription. Yes, when I was watching Good Omens, I was kind of like, oh, this is on here. Oh, no, wait, I have to pay more money for this. Uh, I don't remember. I think I, unless they've changed it. Oh, I thought there was like stuff like they have on there that's you have to buy. Like there's there's other things too that aren't from the prime. You know what I mean? Right. Okay. Right. And so that's it's what very I'm so, confusing. Is yeah. What I so mean. Good Omens is part of the normal Amazon Prime uh, subscription thing, right? Right. But I mean, when I was watching that, I would see something else and be like, "Oh, I want to watch that," and I'd go to it and I'd be like, "Oh, you want me to pay for that? That's not part of." If that makes any sense. Right. There's some show on here. Okay, so uh, there's a show on Amazon Prime called Miracle Workers that stars Harry Potter. Right. That is not part of your Amazon Prime subscription. You have to pay extra for that. Because that's on TBS on regular cable. Oh, okay. I was unaware of that. Yes. So, okay, so this is weird as because my wife and I were looking into it because she's like, I know who Harry Potter is. Let's watch that. Uh, season one, you have to pay for season two is free because season two is running right now. Okay. So it's kind of like, uh, Hey, here you go. And it doesn't matter if you want to watch season two, Joe, you can, because it's a completely different. St- they, they, the, the first season is, uh, I didn't watch all of it. I watched one or two episodes and I didn't care for it. Um, is about, uh, God's going to destroy the world. God, Steve Buscemi and Harry Potter and a couple other people have to do this thing that God makes a deal with them. If you do it, I'll save the world. When the story's over, it's over. Now, this second one is a story of just people in medieval times and how crappy the world is. And the, all the stuff I've seen from season two is absolutely hysterical and I want to watch it. So if you like, if you want to watch some stuff with Harry Potter, you know, they're completely separate stories. Gotcha. But all right. Hey. So 
as it stands, if things change, we'll let you know on uh, social media. Uh, but uh, prepare to uh, talk about The Boys, Amazon Prime TV show next week. Yes. All right. So closing out episode 497 of Longbox Heroes for Todd. This is Joe saying thank you very much for listening. And uh, see you all here next week. And be safe, everybody. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. Boop! You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Networks.